0: From the Wilkes Center for Climate Science and Policy at the University of Utah, I'm Margaret Call, and we're talking climate. Today we're happy to welcome Dr. Leif Anderson, an assistant professor in the geology and geophysics department who's been doing research on glacial geology since his undergraduate degree. With a current research focus on the extent of past glaciers and the impact of climate change on current glacial conditions, he's making important strides in understanding how the changing climate is making an impact on the environment and in estimating potential future implications. Welcome! Would you mind just introducing yourself a little bit and like what you're doing on campus, what your research focuses on, any other involvement you think is relevant, but yeah. yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Margaret. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to share a little bit more about my research. Yeah, my name is Leif Anderson. Um, yeah, I'm faculty in the Department of Geology and Geophysics, and um, my research does, it focuses on glaciers, and in addition to you know pursuing many different um, ways of of researching those glaciers i'm also uh, a teacher in the department as well um yeah awesome <laughs>
0: That's pretty <good. laughs> great um so <laughs> um i'm curious so with this field of research i know it's like kind of a smaller subsection of the geosciences um but i'm curious like how you got to wanting to study it and how you kind of decided that that's the path you wanted
1: to follow yeah that's a great question uh, for me, I, I sort of grew up in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, my father would always take me into the mountains. And he was he was a mountain climber in the Himalaya back in the 70s and showed me all sorts of photos of glaciers in the Himalaya and glaciers that were in steep mountains. Um, they might have been covered with rocks, things like that. But it always sort of stuck in my mind. and And I've been pursuing science related to that ever since. So that's one motivation. The other is is just the, um, you know, we're facing some significant changes in climate and, and the environment. And especially in alpine settings, there's a lot of uncertainty about what that means um, in terms of the negative effects to folks living downstream. So I'm also motivated by that.
0: Yeah. Cool. Um, so within kind of this realm of climate research, um, I'm curious like if you could give us some more details about what exactly you're looking at um, within climate-related studies, um, but also kind of what do you think um, the future implications of like what you're researching could have to play on how we understand climate um, and how we can kind of combat climate change or what that means? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what can we kind of learn from what you're doing?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, so very broadly, I study glaciers and ice sheets and as they contract with warming temperatures, one of the biggest implications um, is what is the future sea level, right? And there's millions of people living, living on the coast that are affected by this. So by studying modern glaciers, um, not the big ice sheets like Greenland and Antarctica, we are really constraining the most recent sea level rise um, or the, the, the sea level rise that will happen in the next 50 years or so. By studying the ice sheets, for example, Greenland and Antarctica, we're talking about sea level rise in the in the hundred to two hundred to three hundred to thousand year timescale. So, so that's really a, one of the most important things that, that my research uh, informs. I also study uh, glaciers that are smaller that are covered covered with rocks. So, in Utah, we might not be aware of it, but we actually do have some glacial ice that remains. And so, for example. Uh, Mount Timpanogos by Provo, just to the east of Provo, there's actually a substantial amount of ice that's still preserved there. And so, one of the things that I'm I'm working on is to understand first how much ice is there, and then what's going to happen to that ice going into the future. So, in the in the places where we have really small glaciers, what's really important there is how how is the change in the ice there going to affect the downstream hy- hydrology, and then also life in the Really, in the streams down downstream as well. So, those are a couple ways that my my research is is informing you know climate impacts and the impacts that climate change will have.
0: Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am curious with a little bit more of like the paleogeography stuff and the paleogeomorphology mm-hmm. that you study mm-hmm. um, with understanding kind of uh, what the climate looked like before. Yeah. Um, I am curious, like what we can learn from that about Um, how that can inform also our current climate understanding. I know like Mm. um, a lot of people, like I volunteer up at the museum in (laughs) their Mm -hmm. new climate exhibit. And so I talk to a lot of people about how um, they are, that climate change is normal um, and that we see climate circulation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm curious if there's things we can learn from your research about how those are different, like how past climate change is different um, from what we're experiencing now. But Mm. um, anything else like that too, like what can we learn from what it used to look like?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So another aspect of my research is to constrain past climate um, using glaciers that are no longer present. Um, so for example, in the Wasatch, we had glaciers, at least in little cottonwood, extending all the way to the mouth. Um, you know, Yellowstone, this the famous supervolcano, was covered by a, quite a large ice cap. So there was quite a lot of ice around during the last ice age. Um, yeah, that's an interesting fact, but how does it inform what's happening today? Really, what we can do is we can use the past shape of glaciers using numerical models, 3D numerical models. We can estimate what the climate was in the past and why that's important. Uh, really, it's comes down to climate sensitivity. So we know how much greenhouse gas was in the atmosphere during the last ice age because air bubbles are trapped in ice cores. Mm-hmm uh, in Greenland and and Antarctica. So we know how much CO2 was in the atmosphere. If we can constrain what the past temperature was, then we have a sensitivity to greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. So we can use that, that sensitivity to then project into the future, if that makes sense. So we know that we're increasing greenhouse gases and we can project really, really, you know, substantial like increases. Um, and so, yeah, knowing what the past climate was paired with CO2 in the past, it helps us inform, uh, yeah, what the future will hold. So that's okay. that's one way that, that the past, uh, it does inform the present and future.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, mm-hmm. so you can, like, compare the the how much carbon or, like, how much greenhouse gas is trapped and then with how far the glacier had extended to kind of determine the temperature? hmm Okay, cool. Yeah. Interesting. Um mm-hmm. uh, Okay. Uh, so kind of more of like, I guess a personal like question. Um, but like what has been your favorite part of your research, um, both like throughout the whole time that you've been, um, studying the environment, Mm -hmm. um, but also like recently, like what's been most exciting and Mm. appealing to you?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think one thing that, that I really love about my research is, uh, is how challenging it is. I, I, I like, uh, that every day I come to work, I have something new to learn, and you know that's something that I think you know more of us should should be able to to strive for It's difficult it's definitely difficult work, but it's very rewarding. I would also say that I really take a a lot of personal satisfaction from from working with students and helping helping sort of change change the environment uh, of science and research and creating it a place where it's more. Um, inclusive of folks that may not have traditionally had access to working on glaciers and I think that is um, that's more of a new movement in science but it personally aligns with what I do and I and it it feels great when I can make breakthroughs in that realm too.
0: Cool that kind of perfectly leads into my next question. Um, Since you've been involved with students both as a teacher but I'm do you have undergrads in your lab? (laughs) I do. I have a number. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Um, so with, um, being involved in research and with students in research, I was curious, um, if you have any, um, like recommendations or like just suggestions on how students that are interested in studying climate, especially because you're in earth sciences, um, through the geosciences, Mm -hmm. um, how would they like get involved? Do you have any like recommendations on, on, or also like just, um, Deciding if you like research, like how mm. can students decide if they want to pursue research, anything like that?
1: That's a great question. I've, I've mentored a number of uh, Europe scholars and then a Wilkes scholar as well. Um, I think the, the most important thing to decide is to try it. And undergrad research is, it's, it's not, uh, it seems scary, I think, at first, but a good mentor will will give you sort of a slow lead into what the research experience is like, because, um, yeah, there's a lot there and it takes years to really become, um, you know, to become a leader in a field. So you have to take a long term term view, but I think the most important thing to do is, you know, do well in your classes and when you're excited by someone who's teaching that class, talk to them and, and then you know that professor might not be exactly in the field that you're interested in, but but we're all there to sort of uh, facilitate your education. So, oftentimes students will come to me with an interest, and I will connect them with another professor. So, the really the thing is is I I would say you know if you're if you're going to be a researcher, you should follow what you're excited about yourself because that's there's a lot of freedom in being a researcher and. Um, so in addition to what I already said, a big part of it is getting to know what you're really interested in. So self-knowledge is key to becoming a successful researcher, too. So there's some pieces, you know, but we could go on for a while. But, you know, <laughs> I think the main thing is to be excited and, uh, you know, talk to people. I think that, that's the first start. Yep.
0: Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is kind of everything that I had prepared to ask you, is there anything additionally that we missed that you would like to tell us about um, what you study or climate in general?
1: Mm. I mean, yeah, I think one thing that, that I think is, is an interesting thing, thing, it's an interesting thing about what's going on with uh, climate change today and maybe a little bit about policy. Um, I think it's easy to get frustrated with the, with the lack of progress, perhaps, on you know, changing our use of fossil fuels, um, you know, in mitigating the effects of climate change, but I like to remind myself that I, you know, taking a little bit more of a long-term view. It's um, I'm not sure there's any like time period in human history when we've been able to identify a problem as large as this and mitigate it. So I think we need to be a little patient with um, with the changes, and we just need to continue to to make efforts. So I think. I think that's something that, that maybe is overlooked a little bit. We're doing something exceptional by trying to mitigate this big environmental issue. Yeah,
0: yeah that's. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another question on that. Um, I know, so like in studying climate, we get a little discouraged sometimes with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um When with you being like so involved in the field and studying climate, um, what do you like other than just like that patience? What do you use to kind of like keep motivated mm. um to study it without just like, I don't know, like being super depressed because <laughs> I hear that a lot from students that Absolutely. we like walk out of a climate change class and they like hand us a counseling card for climate change counseling. And so like, It's a big issue for kids like Mm. undergrads right now Mm -hmm. that are looking at studying climate because it just seems to be a downward spiral. I think Mm. sometimes. Um, What do you like use to stay motivated Mm. and positive?
1: Yeah, that's a I mean, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, society today kind of builds anxiety in a lot of ways. It's not, I would say, healthy. (laughs) Um, So I think one thing that you can really do is is try to step back. And see the bigger picture, and um, a lot of times we're trying, you know, s- scientists, teachers, we're trying to convince you that it's a, it's an issue. Um, but I, I mean, this is this more of a personal, like how you can handle that stuff. But I think it's a lot more time just with ourselves. Um, it's great that we have all the connectivity that we have, but but sometimes that gets in the way of uh, of just having a little bit of space. And I think. I would just step away from that, you know, and just take time for yourself to, to think about what the bigger issues are. And that's, you know, there's great things happening in our society with all the technological advancements, but uh, I don't think that we as a society, you know, in America and Europe globally, we've really learned how to deal with the new technologies we created. And um, so I think we just need to have a little bit of faith that we'll figure that out. Um, and I think we will. Um, but yeah, I think resiliency maybe is the word we're <laughs> looking for. But it's, you know, I understand it's difficult. I think all of us are dealing with that same same feeling. Yeah, yeah
0: cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just kind of the last thing. Is there any, like, resources or anything that you would like um, to refer people that are listening to um, to learn more about you and your research, but also to learn more about, like, the climate issue or what you study, like, is there anything hmm. um, you think would be helpful to look at to learn more?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, you know, we have a, a new uh, working group in the Western US to look at paleo glaciers. So there's a Western US paleo glacier working group that I'll share the URL with you on. Um, yeah, there's a number number of you know climate change websites that I think are, that sort of can cut through the, I'll just say it, propaganda that's out there. Um, I'll also share with you. That's really important. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, just take a look. You know, Google. If you're really interested in my research, you can (laughs) Google me and take a look at my website. That's what I'd say. Or look for the classes that I'm teaching. I'd love to to interact with any of you.
0: Perfect. Yeah, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining us. And it's been great chatting with you. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. (laughs) We will be recording and posting more interviews with researchers at the U engaged in the work of climate science and policy. To hear more and learn more about the Wilkes Center, go to wilkescenter.utah.edu.